Drive School. Here we are, Lesson 14, and yep, what do you know, Matthew 14. Kevin, how many chapters are there in Matthew? 28. 28. So you can expect Lesson 28 lessons as we cover through the, the Gospel of Matthew. That was a really funny high five. That right was. I don't know if you guys got that or no, not, but it's it great. So here we are. <laughs> we worked on the numbers. Kevin, you went through with the numbers and then it just kind of fell after that. So here we are. Here we are talking about the Gospel of Matthew. Obviously, we've communicated over and over again. Uh, now, coming into 14 chapters, Jesus is king. Now, I'm just going to tell you, as a communicator, as one who studied this and prepared for today, when you look for Jesus as king in this chapter, it's a little hard. Uh, you know, you've got the first part, John the Baptist in Matthew 14, where he's actually beheaded, which we referenced a couple days ago. And so, you know, John the Baptist, just so you know, in verse 12, it says his disciples came, they removed the corpse, buried it, and then went and reported it to Jesus. So here you have King Jesus, in some regards, hearing about the man who paved the way for him, right? The forerunner that paved the way, he is officially dead. And so to me, it's almost like an era that just ended. Like, you know, the words from Isaiah prophesied that John the Baptist is going to come. John the Baptist says he's coming. He's going to walk this out. He's fulfilling Malachi 3.1. And now he's done. And now Jesus is, I mean, now it's just Jesus. I know he'll be okay. But I just feel like you need to hear and understand that this era, that so many people for centuries were talking about John the Baptist. And now he is dead. And now you also have the, the famous feeding of the 5,000. You know, you go from uh, John the Baptist beheading to, hey, who, who's hungry? I mean, that's kind of an odd transition in the story, but that's what we have with Matthew 14. Now, when we talk about, Kevin, we got to talk about numbers for you. Just a quick, do you remember how many loaves and how many fish? Uh, Twelve and two. <laughs> Kevin, we're in Matthew. Oh, five and two. I don't know. It's good. Why do you, Twelve you just, disciples. It's like, <laughs> yeah, forget it. Twelve months in the year. Ah, uh, Kevin. Just great. You got a centurion. You know what? I know what it is, Kevin. There's 144 soldiers eating the 12 loaves yes. of bread. <laughs> yes. 12 per. There's the 12 baskets. That was how over. much was left over. I, yes. I, yeah, it's true. You're See, positive uh, thinking right now. All right. Oh, I had the right number, just so, the wrong place. Let me just tell you this. Apparently, you've already figured it out. We're talking about fish and loaves, and, uh, you know, they don't think they have enough, but Jesus literally just intervenes, and he does one of those mysteries. He does one of those uh, miracles of... The food just never runs out. In fact, they feed thousands of them. In the feeding of the 5,000, I always love this statistic. That's just the men. Like, that doesn't even include the women and children number. So I think to me, Jesus showing up in, you know, we can laugh about where does the king fit into all this. I think he's, in, he's the king over, of, over all the food. <laughs> he's the king over, uh, over all the nature, over all, of, uh, all, er, all over earth, I think you can just say. <laughs> and so here you have this context of people... Even the disciples experiencing a true miracle. That's where we want to transition into the teaching today. Okay, so they've, they've experienced actually tons of miracles. That, that's just one of them. Okay, the reason I want to say this is, think about this. In, in Matthew 4, 24, he healed the sick. Okay, in Matthew 8, in verses 1 through 4, he, guess what? He cleansed the lepers. Don't worry about trying to keep up, Kevin. I'm going to list a couple here. How about in Matthew 8? He heals the centurion's servant. Okay, miracle after miracle, right? Uh, in Matthew 8 again, he cools a fever. In Matthew 8 again, he stills the wind. In Matthew 8, he exercised, uh, exercised? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Demons out of people? It just sounded funny. 
He's getting rid of demons. Uh, he healed the paralytic in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, again, a woman was bleeding for 12 years. All of these scenarios were incredible miracles that the disciples, some of them, got to see and witness and experience. Okay, so this is the transition. The little girl, remember, uh, brought back to life. The eyes of the blind, they could see. The mute could speak. Uh, obviously, withered hands, they are now uh, being restored. And then you have 5,000 people and their tummies are filled. 5,000 people. And so when you're transitioning into verse 22, you should naturally expect like, oh, hey, I, I just experienced probably one of the most incredible miracles. I kept pulling this bread apart. I kept pulling this fish apart and it just kept coming. It just kept coming. You know, what? I got to go there. This one story. We're in Kokomo, Indiana. We're at a small little church and we're, we're having breakfast with one of the local churches. And what do you know? They have five gallons of milk for maybe what, Kevin, 250 people, I would say for, for breakfast. Uh, this is where Jeff uh, and Betsy are from. The Hart family are from Kokomo. Here we are. It's a little bit charismatic Pentecostal church. They have five gallons of milk. At the end of breakfast, they ended up with nine gallons of milk. They came to us and said, did you guys buy any milk? We're like, no, we didn't buy any milk. Sorry, but thank you. I'm glad you could provide. The next day, I think it was the next day, uh, they had eggs and they had orange juice. And they had this orange juice. They're like these half-gallon containers that were inside the fridge. And every time they'd pull out an orange juice, another one would reappear in the fridge. And so then they would go ask their staff, hey, did you, did you put one back in? And the point was, is that we, we saw in, in, in Indiana miracles with food of orange juice, with milk, and with eggs on a really, really, really small scale. But God can do whatever he wants in order to provide food. And so I know, Kevin, I don't know about you, I, I was pretty confident that our food was going to be provided for after that time. Like the point is, is if you're the disciples here, you're, well, you're coming to a situation. You're pretty confident. You're with King Jesus. We got this thing covered. And it says in verse 22, immediately after they fed the 5,000. So immediately everybody's full. Everybody's excited. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. I always think this is the one of the most unusual passages in scripture. It, it was like the dad telling his kids, you get in the boat right now. And buckle up, by the way. Like, that's kind of the feel, like, he made them. And so what I want to do is, is I want to walk through Warren Wearsby. He gives a great outline that walks you through how Jesus interacts with his disciples in the context of walking on water. Okay, does that make sense? So the very first thing is, is that he, Wearsby says, he brought me here. Okay? When you hear that phrase, he brought me here, Kevin, in correlation with what we're talking about, what's a, what do you think about? Uh, there's a purpose in me being here. Uh, obviously. Awesome. So obviously we're put here and God put us in this position. Lord willing, we're aligning our decisions based on the word of God and not some fleshly quick decision. So he made me, he brought me here. He, he put us into the boat. He said, go on ahead of him to the other side while he did dismiss the crowds. And I just want to say the obvious. When God puts you in environments, you can't always expect smooth sailing. Hey guys, you're going to get in the boat. Oh, by the way, I hope you enjoy the buffet that's below on the bottom of the boat. You know, like go down there and eat. They don't have that kind of stuff. Are you kidding me? Some of them maybe, you know, they're fishermen, so they're going to be all right. But the point is, is like it could be rough out on the sea. It could be rough out on the lake. And I think when, whenever we have this mentality of God put me here, you're like, you expect everything to be perfect. It doesn't work like that when you follow King Jesus. When you're an ambassador and you're with him, guess what happens? The seas could be a little rough at times. So I just want to make sure everybody understands you can expect tribulation when you walk through things when you're with Jesus. John 16, if you would, verse 33. 
John 16, verse 33, just kind of has this image and this mentality of this. It says, I've told you these things so that, y- that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I've conquered the world. So understand that even though God's put you in this place, wh- whatever it is, and I'm actually, I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to say this. Even as a stay-at-home mom, for somebody that's listening right now, you're like, I am not wired to be a stay-at-home mom with my two kids. Somebody's probably thinking that right now. But you know what? God's put you in this place, and I'm not making this like a joke about this. You might actually feel like you're suffering in this context. Like, ah, this can't be me. God might be having you in this place at your house to take care of your kids, to refine you, and to pour into them. Like, how you perceive where you're at in life is half the battle. You brought me here. He brought me here. And it's kind of cool, though. I think it's a fair statement that he's constantly wanting to refine us, test us to look more like him. He made us get in the boat. Why? Because he's setting it all up. Now, Warren Wiersbe says this. He says there's two types of storms that you could engage and interact with out on the sea. So in this life, okay, there's a storm of correction. Okay, the storm of correction actually means that God might be disciplining you right where you're at. Okay, the storm of correction, like, oh, no. But then there's also a storm of perfection. The storm of perfection could mean that God is helping us grow in this process. He could be disciplining us. He could be growing us. Either way, they both go the same thing. But there's ways that you have to look at the storms that come at your life. Now, in verse 23, they're already on the boat, right? He's dismissed the crowds. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. While an evening came, he was there alone. Okay, so even though he brought us and put us in this place, I love what Wearsby says in number two, as we're out on the boat, guess what he's doing? He's praying for us. He's praying for me, praying for you. Isn't that awesome? He put us in this spot, but only King Jesus would go up by himself, the guy who could rule all of the earth, and he goes up and intercedes. And he goes up and he prays. Romans 8, verse 34, if you would, Kevin. I think sometimes we don't think of a ruler uh, going up and praying for his people. But in Romans 8, 34, it says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Uh, let's just, can we make it practical guys? How, how is Jesus interceding for you this week? What would you say? Just this, it's been a lot of late nights and early mornings and just for strength. And strength. Yeah, that's a really good one. Jeff, you've been on the road even this week. Yeah, just, um, to put in a word, I guess just, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would think strength, but also just kind of peace, just kind of like, uh, um, a calm in the midst of just busyness, you know? Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, for me, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think this week, I think we set a record, <laughs> anywhere between 14 to 16 lessons. And for me, it's just he's interceding. I'm, I'm just asking. It's similar language, but I'm asking him to fill me up. God, you made me get on this boat. You said to me, I want you to do this for two years. I'll be honest. There are times I'm like, I'm, I'm shot, I'm exhausted. So what do you do? Jesus, intercede that I get filled back up, right? 
I mean, this is the kind of mentality, though. That this is how I want to make this practical for you guys. You need to let the Lord be in charge of your life. And if he's in charge of your life, let him speak into your life. Uh, TJ, Taylor, what do you got? How's he interceding for you guys? It's rest. Early mornings. Yep. Like sleep. That's good. Um, I say strength and then just, uh, I don't know, clarity of thought, I guess, just with details for people going everywhere and keeping everything straight. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of trips coming up. Some people are going to Indiana, some people are going to Wisconsin, some people are going to Israel. Oh, yeah. Let's make sure we get the right time. Pray for that for Kevin. I think he's interceding on that for you, Kevin, the time change adjustment, too. So I was hoping you were going to say that, Kevin. Um, that's more numbers. All right, no, one more thing about this, okay? He's praying for us. He's praying for the disciples, right? He put them there, and he knows that he put them there. At the same time, he knows the situation. Can we go to uh, Mark 6.48? I actually do mean Mark 6.48. <laughs> and lately, I've been confusing those. Mark 6.48, he saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. And around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and he wanted to pass by them. What I love about this is, is like he knows the situation. So he knew that they're going to be battered. He knew that they're going to experience this. So I actually believe because he knew this, because he saw this, I actually believe he's interceding for them because he knows these situations. All of these things. He put us there. He's interceding and he's interceding because he knows what we need to be, what we need prayer for. Okay, it's a cool picture of, I think, of what how King Jesus functions. Now, if you go to verse 24, it says this. I'm back in Matthew 14. But the boat was already over a mile from land. Just what we reference almost in Mark 6. Battered by the waves because the wind was against them. If you'll continue on, Kevin, verse 25. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. Now, what do you have? He brought us there. He's praying for us. And then in number three, what Warren Wearsby says... And man, this should be so reassuring for us. He will come to me. So Jesus will show up in our lives when we need him. And he's doing that because he's already been praying for us. So he's going to walk into the situation that he knows everything about. Think about Paul, you guys. Kevin, can you go to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8? 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. The Apostle Paul, you know how much traveling he did? <laughs> you know how many things and places he went? Scripture says this, For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life. Some of you listening are, are at this point in your life. You're like, I can't do another night like this. <laughs> kind of literally. I can't do another day like this. Like, I'm just to be honest, like when you're done teaching here, I go and do my taxes, right? When I'm done there, I go and get to go to track me. All good things, but life doesn't stop. <laughs> and sometimes you just feel overwhelmed and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be like this. He'll come to us. He'll be our strength when we have nothing. Even to the point when you despaired of life. Some of you even listening right now, you know, you've been coming to Revive School for a couple months and this might sound drastic. You might even be comp- contemplating suicide. Don't get to that point. Understand this. You just say, hey, Jesus, come to me, please. I can't do this anymore. When you humble yourself and you recognize that, that you can't do this anymore, that the waves are battering against you, 
I promise you Jesus will show up. You know, you guys want to, is there anything else you want to say to this about Jesus just showing up in your lives? I think sometimes we have to get to that point before we actually believe he's going to. Yeah. Amen. All right, so as he comes to us, I'm going to transition with what you're saying here, Kevin. Uh, yeah, let's do something. I want to go to Isaiah 43, 2, if you would, please. Isaiah 43, 2. It's all about God's timing in all this. Look at this. He says, I'll be with you when you pass through the waters. <laughs> this is cool. And when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. Jesus will come to you at the right time. He'll come to you right when you're like, no, 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 the fire's too much. He's like, no, I, I got this. But now here's the challenge, okay? When he comes to you, watch in verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they yelled, and they, they, they cried out in fear. Can you imagine the fishermen? It's a ghost. You know, like these tough, rugged, burly guys, they have cool beards. Did you hear that? They have cool beards. And they're screaming, it's a ghost. Come on, guys. This is the inner circle that we're talking about here, right? And they're crying out in fear. But in this, as Jesus comes up, you got to understand in verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And I want to just put, you have to be able to receive. Um, this isn't one of them. You got to be able to receive him, right? He'll come to me. He's praying for me. He'll come to you, but you got to be like, I, I need you. Like you got to actually be able to want this. So that's where you're going with this, Kevin. He's like, you know, if you're, if you realize he's coming to you, you have to realize because Jesus is coming to every one of us, but a lot of people don't want to receive him. A lot of people don't want to say, and then this is the fourth thing that Wearsby says, you got to be able to understand that he will he'll help me grow. And you can honestly just say he'll help me. So in order to get that help you got to you have to receive him. Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Welcome me on your boat. And then in verse uh verse 28, you know you got to love Peter. Lord, if it's you, Command me to come to you on the water. That's, that's a weird test. Like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, can you just raise your hand? You know, like, why does it have to be so drastic with Peter? Like, command me, Jesus, to come out on the water. And you're like, oh, Peter. And so Jesus plays the game. He says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter starts walk. He started walking on the water. And he came toward Jesus like, oh, hey, it's working. This is awesome. And then the problem is, is that when uh, in verse 30, it says, um, well, hang on. I don't want to miss this part about walking on water. When you ask for help, when you ask for this identification, like, hey, is this you? And uh, Wearsby says this, he'll help you, but then he'll also, he will see me through. So he's going to help us and then he's going to see me get through this. He's going to see me through the process of, Literally walking on water toward Jesus. <laughs> but in verse 30, when, the, when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and then beginning to sink. <laughs> he cried out, Lord, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught hold of him and he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and then those in the boat, they worshiped him. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. I don't know. Jeff, being a worship guy, how do you think they express that? 
I'm sure they physically expressed it, you know? I'm sure that they were, they probably didn't say it in a real calm voice either. <laughs> oh, you are the son of God, you know? <laughs> I would assume they were emotional. They're excited. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peter's wet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. You know, kind of deal, right? You know? But, you know, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. There's multiple reasons why they worshiped him. I mean, one is, is that, what do you think? The, the storm stopped. One of them is, is that Jesus just walked on water and came out. I don't know. There's multiple ways of why we would worship Jesus. But if you go through this process of, well, maybe this is why. I'll write this up here. Maybe they worshiped him because they saw that that God put him there in a, in a specific place. Maybe they realized that he was praying. Maybe they realized that he came to them. Maybe they realized that he was helping them. And then maybe they realized that he's going to get them through this. Like, I think they might have even seen the whole process unfold. I kind of have to wonder if just the worship was beyond that sentence was maybe just silence because they're completely in awe of what just happened. You know, when you go to the Sea of Galilee, uh, you can go on a boat ride, right? They have a first century boat that you can't, that's set aside on the side. But then they have, you can go out on boats and you can just sing. You can go out there for an hour, you can go out there longer. I just, I just envision everybody doing their own thing at times. But, I, you know, I just, I want to encourage all of us that as Jesus takes you through this process, worship him in the way you need to worship him. You know, the joke has been, I've been listening to Spotify and all kinds of worship. But man, I, there are times I just, I crank that thing up. And, you know, Laura might say to me, I don't, you know, I don't know how you can study with all this commotion around. Like, you mean my children everywhere, you know, or the loud music? But sometimes God does whatever it takes for us to get our eyes on Him. And I would just encourage you guys that when God takes you through this process, please don't ever forget to worship Him. Like, understand and recognize you, Jesus, are the Son of God. As we close out here today, you guys, I want you to go to verse 34. In verse 34, it says, Once they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. Gennesaret meaning, right, you know, uh, the Galilee area, okay? Uh, the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, when the men of that place recognized him. Okay, so remember this, right? Remember the story? He made them get on the boat. He didn't go with them. But all of a sudden, the boat comes back, and when the men of that place recognized him, they alerted everybody, the whole vicinity, and they brought to him all who were sick. <laughs> you just got to wonder, like, how did Jesus handle this all the time? It says in verse 36, they were begging him that they might only touch the tassel on his robe. And as many as it touched it were made perfectly well. It's a cool story. You know, and you have to you have to flesh through all this and say, okay, how does this apply to King Jesus? And then at the end, you have the, the miraculous healings that we just talked about. Here's what I want to do. Leon Morris, you know, it might be the lesser of, uh, it might not be the main lessons is my point. It might not be the upfront ones. But when you look through, he brought me here, what Wearsby says, he's praying for me. He'll come to me. He'll help me. One of the things I want to make sure everybody understands in this, okay, and this can go along with another lesson here, is that when you follow Christ's commands, get in the boat. He made me. I don't want to get in the boat. Get in the boat. It doesn't mean, though, that you'll avoid. Kevin, what would you say? Storms. It doesn't mean you'll avoid, avoid storms. The storms are going to come, but you've got to realize in verse 22, if you'll go back there, 
Uh, you got to understand, he knows what he's doing. And you, he made us, made them get in. I know I'm reiterating this, but I feel like we need to take these right here and understand there's so much here. I don't think we want to go through this process, is what I think. And so because we don't want this truth to sink in, no, 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 I'd, I'd rather not. In fact, in verse 24, avoiding the storms, at that point, they're a long ways away from land. You know what that means? This means you can't go back. I think what happens is that when people get storms in their lives and they realize they're in it, they try to get out. And the scripture here in verse 24 says that you're a long ways away from the land, over a mile from land. Don't try to go back. Hold on and let him carry you through this process. And I feel like that's really, really important. Why? Why, why, why? This is why I want to put these, these lists together, because he's praying for us as we go through this. He's praying for us as we are a long ways away from this whole thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I hear our prayer requests for our, our team right here at Revive School, and it's, we need strength. We need endurance, right? It would be really, really easy to be like, you know what, Kevin, um, let's just not record for another month, <laughs> right? Well, I'd throw Kevin off. I mean, Kevin, relax. I'm not going to. But sometimes I think we'd rather be like, I just want to go back to that style, that lifestyle. And it, honestly, it seems like it would be easier. But when you have a perspective that he's interceding next to the Father, he can get us through this. And even, you guys, in verse 24 as well, we might be a long ways away. And, and here's even worse. The wind might be against you. The wind was against them. But when you understand that Jesus is king, that he is in charge of your lives, when the wind and you're far away from things and you really don't even want to be in this boat, recognize Jesus has got your back. Jesus is going to help you get through this. That's why I love looking at the Wearsby list here. He brought us here. He's praying for us. He's going to come to us. And that's really the, the second lesson. You know, again, second lesson that Leon Morris says, he knows, right? He knows the trouble. <laughs> and that could be emotional. That could be physical. That could be spiritual. He knows the trouble we're in, Right? And because of that, he, this is, this is my favorite. He knows how to rescue us. He knows how to come to us. He knows how to help us. He knows how to see us through this process. And when I look at Matthew 14 and you say, well, where is the King Jesus in all of this? Well, I, I see this being King Jesus, because it means he's in charge of everything I got. And the minute you, and I, this is going to sound kind of funny, the minute you take the crown off of Jesus's head and you say, I can do it on my own, or you say, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this part of it, or I don't like this part of it. It's almost like you're saying, Jesus, you're not good enough for me to get through this process. And I would just say, we got to be careful of this because in our sheer exhaustion, in our sheer, like, oh, here's another wind. Oh, you guys, I see another half a mile of winds just keep coming at me, right? You're like, dear Lord, stop. But in this, he's going to come, he's going to help us, and he's going to see us through this. That's when you realize Jesus is in charge and we're not. It's a pretty real message for me because honestly, I, I think we all need to get to this point. You're on the boat. You hear Jesus calling. Realize he's coming. 
Let him help you get through this time. You know, this is uh, Matthew 14. Uh, Again, so much you can cover in this, but this is just simply walking on water (laughs) and realizing that that Jesus is in charge. Kevin. Uh, I'm just thinking yesterday we talked about parables and Christ teaching through parables. Here's Matthew recording down a parable for us to learn from a different perspective instead of Jesus telling it. Great perspective, guys. All right, guys, that is Matthew 14. Kevin, thanks for your words, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.